It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comics and editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. Rick Broering is traveling back from Indianapolis as we speak, and uh, if he checks in, we hope he does. If not, we will have to cover for him this week, and we will uh, move to next week. The, his crowd is is always really excited to hear me talk I Xavier. know they are. I know they are. But we've got some Xavier stuff to talk about t- today for sure, and whether Rick joins us or not, you and I are going to talk about it. But we'll start with the UC Bearcats. Two wins this week, both needed, one at home over Tulsa, and then uh, their first true road win of the season at UCF. Um, they had a couple neutral site wins, but first true road win after going 0-3, uh, winning at UCF on Saturday, 68-54. And really the theme of the last two games has been the, the second half and, and why have they been able to outscore the two opponents they did by, what, 40-some-odd points in the last two second points. half combined. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty impressive to me. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the key being in the games that they've lost, especially away from home, they had been allowing teams to score 40 44, 42, 49, 62 uh, points in the second half of games. And that seems to, at least for this short window, this short stretch, seems to be hopefully a thing of the past. Uh, You held both of them to, I think, 22 or 23 points. Yeah, UCF 25. Yeah, And then Tulsa 22. So you put yourself in a – guess what, Skinny? When you get stops – you do a much better job of putting yourself in position to win, no, no, especially no, no, no on doubt. the road. So, so I guess the question is what the $64,000 question of why is this team not getting stops? Um, and I could argue maybe being at home against Tulsa, I'll give you that. But on the road, they've not been able to do that. Um, it's not like UCF is a dynamic offensive team. and It was a team that, that lost a lot, yeah. either to graduation or because of, of a kid jumping early in the draft and Johnny Dawkins' son. Um, I mean, they were still down three at the half. I mean, how nervous were you down three at the half on a road in the road nervous. when they haven't won a road game? Yeah, very nervous. Yeah. I mean, you, you you couldn't feel comfortable at that point because there's nothing to feel comfortable about. They they were struggling with with Johnny Dawkins was running a, a couple different variations of a two three zone, a ma- you know matchup basic, um, playing the wings a little bit different from possession to possession. And I think the thing about it was, though, I still felt like they were running pretty good zone offense. Yeah, they didn't take a lot of threes. It wasn't like they were jacking up threes left and right. No, they were missing yeah. shots right at the rim that they have not been missing uh, all season. Chris Vogt only shot 60% from the floor. That tells you what kind of struggle they were having. Was he leading the country or one of the top he's, two or three in the country? He's like number three or number yeah. four in the country, up over 70%. And in American Athletic Conference play before that game, he was up almost an 80% field goal percentage. So... Um, so I, I, I was just concerned in that what happens when we get to, because it was clear at that point, it's probably going to be a close game down the stretch. So what happens when we get to five minutes down to up to down four up, ends up, they were up right, six. Right. It's a, they, they've lost a 10 point lead in a minute. Sure. Like, so they get to the five minute mark up six and you say, okay, let's see what we got here. And they go on a 13-5 to run with two of those UCF points coming as the game was decided. And, and a guy just went in and, and dunked it uncontested. So for five minutes, they held UCF to three points. And that's how you get conference wins on, on the, the road, road. Right. Is you get stops. And they had not been getting stops. Which, at that point, it doesn't matter how good your offense is. So did they change anything philosophically on no, defense? Or really. just literally digging in? Just digging in. Just getting stops and I think 
you you wonder how much and we talked about this on the sports authority it has been talked about how different the offense the offensive system is right. but what hasn't really been talked about is it's it's also a much more demanding system physically playing straight man to man defense usually three quarter court and doing that over 40 minutes as well as playing offense that is at a higher pace than what you were playing before. So now you're exerting that energy and effort throughout 40 minutes. He's using the bench a little bit more and and finding you're starting to see some like in a little bit of NBA tendencies. This guy goes in at this point, this guy rests at this point where they're finding more of a, a rhythm as a unit. And, and I think that is through conditioning, through player management, through substitution patterns. You're now starting to te- see a team that's being more fresh at the end of games. And, and that allows you to be mentally tougher. Because if you're not dialed in, if you're not fully focused, you're going to make mental mistakes no that, that cost you games. No doubt. Like, you know, God forbid somebody shoots a 70-footer with – Six seconds on the clock, like <laughs> bites it off the board. Um, we're just seeing a, a be, them being more locked in now. We get to turn up the volume and find out what it looks like against somebody that's comes, good. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you mentioned the bench, though. I mean, he, he played the bench fifty-five minutes. Um, you know, the, the starters. You did have three play over thirty, and Keith Williams played thirty-five. But I think you can manage that, and I think. You can manage that, especially coming off of a Tulsa game where you're able to, to get in the bench even deeper than that for more minutes than that on the road. You are going to shorten your rotation a lot of times. I think you can get away with, with that. You can't do that every night. But it, it didn't feel like they, they were taxed. In fact, it looked like they, they were the fresher team down the stretch. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to to John. Continue. Skinny, and, and, and it stinks that we didn't have the opportunity because of all of our schedules. We're all very busy now, the three yes, of us. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We re- our careers have really taken off. Uh, here <laughs> we have to get together once a week now barely um yeah one of us sometimes can't he's too big time to he, make it he's 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 traveling back he's a driving <laughs> um we knew it was going to be a matter of when did it all start to click and i don't know that it it, it, it well has i was gonna yet. say i mean you could go to memphis on thursday play a good game and lose and then you're thinking all right you know I still the, i still feel pretty good if that's the case okay i see i don't i don't know if i would though well, you've got to get... I don't know if I feel like I was over the hump yet. I think, no, I think you no, 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 beat no, no, no. a Memphis on the road, and then you follow it up. You got East Carolina at home, but then you got two... two and, and Temple on the road, but then you got SMU and Houston at home. You got a nice stretch here to get some quality wins and have a couple of breathers and look up and go 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh and feel good, but you lose to Memphis, and suddenly it's back to 10-7. and seven and another Yeah, I mean, it, it would be... It's a very important win. Yes. And did you, did you know these teams are only separated by, like, two points in Ken Palm? Coming like into the day... Memphis was 40, UC was 42. Uh, and, and, and Memphis is good. They're talented. They don't score. They, they struggle. To, they're better at home. So UC's defense is going to be, uh, as Butch Jones would say, it's going to be a great challenge to stop Memphis at home. But I think it is a game now that, that you're, you're starting to play within the range of we have a chance to, to go and, and get a road scalp and a, pretty big one in terms of yeah. this conference yeah. and this conference race. Oh, no doubt. I mean, if Wichita State had lost to UConn today, 
Cincinnati would be in first place. Yeah, which is crazy. In the American. Yeah, it's crazy to think that. And uh, imagine where, you know, the, the optimism if they didn't crap down their leg at Tulane at the end of that game. So, but they are where they are. They're three and one. They've got a, a good stretch, like you said, coming up here. Well, I, I think SMU is pretty good. No, I think they are too. I'm just saying, but you're at home, and yeah. that, just if you're playing well, that should be yeah. a game you win. And, and those are, the, I mean, right now, I don't think you can afford another home loss. You need a road scout, but yeah. you just need to take care of some business too. And again, I'll be more convinced if they go to Memphis and at least, at the very least, play well. A win would do Correct. way more than that. If they now, if they go down there and get boat race, then. You're scratching your head again. I don't see that happening. They, they. I don't necessarily Memphis either. Memphis isn't exactly playing great right now. They lost to Georgia at home. Um, you know, beat one of the SFs, USF, sixty-eight, sixty-four. I mean, they're not they're not playing great right now either. When well, so USF had them down fourteen. Yeah, right. In that still, game, they, I mean, they're they're just not playing well. They're playing okay. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting week because I mean, if they beat Memphis and then they you know they take care of ECU at home. We're having a whole different conversation right. about Cincinnati Bearcats at this point in time next week. But you got to do it. That's you got to do it. You got to yeah. do it. Um, Jaron Cumberland only goes for six points, but does have seven assists in the, in the uh, the win um, over UCF on the road. What did you make of his performance? Um, I know John held him out of a practice, or at least part of a practice, um, as he was a little nicked up. I mean, is that part of it? And no. Again, when you when you look at the line, I mean, he only took four shots. Um, I think that's where maybe you raised an eyebrow a little bit, especially in that first half when they were struggling to put points on the board. Um, I know Dawkins was doing a lot and coming off of that Tulsa game where all of a sudden he looked like Jaron Cumberland right. again. He had 22 points. And uh, I, I, Dawkins had a lot of that zone shaded to Jaron, and they couldn't make him pay by by hitting some perimeter shots to loosen him up. But yeah, he had, I think, one, no, he had, he had no shots, I think, in the first half. It's crazy. That can't happen. Right. That, that, you've got to figure out a way. And not necessarily on John. Jaron's got to figure out a way to get himself a couple shots up, at least. And so that was a little concerning. The second half, I really didn't. It didn't bother me at all because they really had that zone offense humming. They were Jaron was playing point for a lot of the time, getting the ball to Trey Scott in the high post, and then either Trey Scott had a nice game. Yeah, either dumping it down or attacking straight line or kicking it to a wing. Um, so Trey was doing a lot of the initiating there. And so I didn't mind Jaron not shooting as much in the second half, but first half, if you're struggling like that, man, your, your, your dude has to go be a dude at some point in time. And it's tough, you know, as a coach, they're packing in that two, three zone and they're daring you to, to drive. And I've got a, I've got a humdinger of a final thought today for you. Okay. All right. It's one that I've heard before. But I'm getting on the, this bandwagon. Okay. I'm looking forward to, to, to hearing that. Um, all right, let's move to, to Xavier. Um, they've lost three of four. Uh, the one win was a home win over St. John's last Sunday. Lost the two in this week to, to Seton Hall and Creighton. And in the vacuum of those, those are not awful losses. Problem is they're both at home. Um, and Seton Hall, obviously, getting Miles Powell's, Miles Powell back has been a, a completely different team. They've clearly been, in my opinion, the best at least one of the two best teams in, the, in that league. But I think they're the best you, team in that league. But you can't lose at home. I mean, if you're Xavier, you just you cannot lose at home. You can, but I don't, you can't lose like they did. I right. Mean, both double-digit losses. Like, your, your seniors aren't playing well. You're asking your two juniors to pretty much carry the entire load for that team. 
Kiki Tandy. And they, and they did. I mean, Scruggs and yeah. Marshall were 18 to 30 from the field and had, had 40 plus points combined. That's a great they're not, performance. But they're not beating Creighton by themselves. That's, no, that's right. No, no, no doubt. I think the defense slipped in both of those games. Now, some of that on Seton Hall is it doesn't matter. No, Miles Powell makes some of the most ridiculous okay, I got tough shots in the world. I got a question. Yes. And I, 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 I was monitoring Rick's board some this week because I knew I might have to talk Xavier. And I know those guys, they, they rely on me when I'm in that role. Oh, I know they love you in that role. So this was one of their questions. I want your opinion okay. on this. I'll give mine as well. In the Seton Hall game, Najee Marshall was assigned to Miles Powell pretty much the entire time that he was in the game. And he had a poor offensive performance. And Miles Powell still went off and, and did Miles Powell things. Would you have at least explored rotating somebody else. My issue is who is that, who is that person? Scruggs isn't probably long enough. Um, Tyreek isn't quick enough. Um, Bryce Moore? Didn't he, he, he supposed to come in and be a defensive ace? Yeah, but he's a what, 6'3"? How big is he? 6'2", 6'3"? I mean, Miles he's, Powell is 6'1". Six, six, I know, but he's, he gets off ridiculous shots, and he's going to get them off over six three guys. Well, but you t- you ran Najee Marshall at him the whole game. I know, and, he and the guy didn't shots. have any legs to score. He still was ten of twenty one from the field and, and scored twenty four. And, and yeah, Najee was three of ten and struggled shooting the basketball. No question. And I I get what you're saying. I that, st- this is I, what Rick's board is saying. Yeah, no, I, I and I understand the concern <laughs> with that. I just go back to who is going to guard him. It, it, but it doesn't matter. That's the point. I guess he's going to get his skinny. I guess. I mean, I, yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, Don't you want your guy going toe to toe with him at least? I mean, he was still ten to twenty one, so it wasn't like he went off for fourteen to twenty one. So you did create at least something there. He, I mean, the guy makes tough shots. I know exactly what you're saying. I know, I, I do get it, but I also know that he's my lockdown defender, and I'm putting him on the best guy, and that's that. I mean, I, uh, don't you at least try something else? Or try to give Najee a a segment break. Hey, Paul, you got in this segment. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, hey, I Bryce, you fair. got in this segment. Yeah, that's fair. And 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 use some fouls on him. Be yeah. physical with him. Get him off the line a little bit. Help help push him off the line if you have to. And, and because I thought in watching the game, I thought Najee did an adequate, more than adequate job trying yeah, like to I defend said, he, him. He, I mean, he was ten of twenty one and two for eight. So it wasn't like he shot the lights completely out. But he is going to get his, and he's going to make difficult shots. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he is. Honestly, you've seen it. He is, to me, one of the most difficult shot makers in the country. Him and Marcus Howard. Yeah, right, right. They're going to make difficult shots. Yeah. He's, I can't, like, I really liked him in high school. But he was fat. He was undersized. He kind of reminded you in high school of Miles Davis. That was kind of who his game reminded you of. And boy. He's exceeded that. He changed his body. He went to work. And that kid is yeah, a bucket the, getter. The, man. the Kentucky game last year when they played them in, in I think it was New Jersey or Madison Square, or whatever yeah. it was a new, it was technically a neutral site game. Um, and I was watching the game. Actually, I was flying out to cover Bengals game. And I was able to watch it on the airplane, and it was. I mean, it was, I, I think a couple times audibly because I had earphones in, I probably yelled out "Wow!" because he was making shot after shot. It was him against PJ Washington, basically yeah. like a one-on-one game broke out. And that, to me, was the eye-opener for me. I knew he was a good player before that, but that's when I'm like, this dude makes tough shots. I, and back to your question, I do get it. As a coach, there might be a part of me that would say, I need, I need Najee a little bit more tonight on the offensive end, and yeah, I'm going to rotate guys on him. And usually with a great player, 
usually the best tactic is to rotate guys on them. That you to try to wear fresh him down. body on him. And, and you got 15 to 20 fouls to use on him as opposed to one guy trying to stop him and, and avoid getting into foul trouble. And you're right, he's going to make some tough shots. Um, but, you know, some of the two is you know, Xavier getting to the rim couldn't get it to the bucket because yeah. they got their shots blocked. They were, what, nine blocks, ten blocks, whatever Seton Hall had. They were Seton, Hall's, Seton Hall, to me, is, is the most complete team in the Big East. And that, that might be why. They've got those two seven-footers right. that they just – they run them basically like they're going to have a seven-footer at the rim for 40 minutes. And you're going to have to play over us. Or you're going to have to get really hot from three, and that's difficult to do because they've got a couple guys that can really guard out there. Yep. And Willard, I think, has done a, a fantastic job getting this well, team. Well, and he had to massage a little bit of the issues to start the season. And yep. He had to ma- massage the uh, injury, the injury to, to, to Miles Powell, especially losing some games of the How concussion. About, we never talked about that. Did you hear what Miles Powell said that day? When he woke up and said, why are we practicing, practicing at Rutgers, Jim? Yes. <laughs> That's one of the best lines. I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny, but it is funny. How, how did Kevin, why was Kevin Willard allowed to say that publicly? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, part of it, too, is they also took him out and they held yeah. him out until he got better. It would have been one thing if you'd have learned this after the fact and they played him the rest of that game and played why, another game. Why are we practicing in at Rutgers, Rutgers gym? gym? Yeah. At least he knew he was in Rutgers gym, right? I guess, yeah. I'll give him. I'll maybe, give him. The, maybe the big R gave it away on the wall, but it's possible. I will give him credit for that. All right, let's let's go to the Creighton game though, where Quentin Gooden was zero for six in the first half and finished the game zero for seven and zero for six from three point range. Um, got benched for a chunk. Tyreek Jones got benched for a chunk. Quentin Gooden got benched for the final like sixteen yeah. minutes of the game. I mean, is that a necessity in your opinion for for sending a message? And I guess the other part is, it's great to send the message, and I do get that. If you need Tyreek Jones to play better defensively, and you need to send a message to to Quentin Gooden, but aren't we at the stage with guys like that that there's no more messages to be sent? Maybe, but I also think, look, you've got to do something because this thing's spiraling. Because they didn't challenge themselves a lot. In the out of conference, which they normally have done, but yes. not, not this year. And, and right. some t- some of it this year is the teams that they did yes. schedule. I mean, it's helping them now that UC's picking themselves up right. off the mat. Um, but because of that, they didn't come in with a ton of wiggle room. And to lose two of your first three at home in this league, where we've talked about, you're just not getting road wins. You're just not. You're gonna get a handful if you're. Seton Hall will probably still only win four road games, maybe five, right? But but, but here's the thing. If he doesn't get Quentin Gooden right, I know that they're not winning. They they might go but, six but, and six and twelve, right? So, but but how do you get Quentin Gooden right? I mean, well, I'm I guess maybe you bench him for sixteen minutes. Maybe, but is that going to suddenly have him making better decisions and making shots? I mean, that's part of it. I, I don't know. I guess maybe uh, making this better decision, you, but making shots. Is that going to make him make shots? Do you Are you worried that Quentin Gooden hasn't gotten better? Yes. Yeah, because I really thought that even going into last year, I didn't know if it was a great team, but I thought that was an NCAA caliber team on paper, in my opinion. I definitively thought this was an NCAA tournament team uh, on paper, especially the way they finished with, with the group coming back that finished that way. And then you're adding a couple of extra pieces to it. And now you see it, and it just it feels like the same thing, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I, Jason I think, Carter hasn't been look, the guy I thought Jason Carter was going to be. This is something I want to touch on. This grad transfer stuff and bringing guys up 
two and three and four levels into what is this year maybe the toughest conference in the country ain't working yeah but it ain't working skinny you got it but i wasn't asking him to score 19 a game like he did at ohio dude i'm I'm asking him to make an open shot and to to give me eight to ten to twelve he's dealing with guys he can't deal with the guys that he's playing in the big east make an open three are significant well he made two he was two of six yeah, he's two of six. He missed four other ones that yeah. were pretty open, but he made yeah, two. My point. The two he made were pretty big in the first half. They were, but, was... but you know they do play two halves. I mean, it's kind of a crazy game that way. <laughs> but look, look, I get it. I, I mean, get, and I will say he's I, supposed to be the fifth piece to the puzzle, right? He's the fifth piece. Yeah, but I, I'm over this. 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 Across the board, you mean just in general? In a, at Xavier's level, it's how many guys have had success jumping up two and three and four levels. Yeah, I as guess a grad I mean, transfer, and, I, and we'll get to Kentucky in a second. But I guess Nate Sestina is kind of that guy, though. But but is he doing the things like make, he, he's making open shots? Though, yes. I mean, it, I don't think he can guard. I don't think he can guard you or me at that level. But, but he's making open shots. I, mean, how many, I think it's what you're asking Jason Carter to do is make some but, open shots. How we've got what three, four years of evidence now? What, what um, Cantor? Was yeah, pretty good. He was pretty good. He was a yeah, but he was a D D D two or yeah, D late uh, Horizon League guy. Horizon League guy. Um. Honestly, Hankins was actually... Hankins was the best one, and yeah, he was a D2, D2 guy. guy. Right, right. Um, but Bryce Moore? Mm. No, I, I... Yeah. The guys last year outside of Hankins? No, Wellage was a 6'10 guy that you don't want to play horse against and nothing more. It, like, it's not... It's not a... Even in a even in a reserve or a backup role, it's a, it's a risky proposition. But, but I don't because, think... The, see, the thing is, I don't think the MAC is a trash league, though. I just don't. I, I it's, do. It's not the Big East... But but I'm not asking him to do what he did at Ohio, which was 19 a game. I'm just asking him to make an open shot at this level. But maybe I mean, this game, level is too big and strong and fast for him. To make an open shot? You get beat up and pushed no, around. I, and I, I, it's a fair, I, What you're saying is fair. I'm just trying to answer, answer the question I have in my mind. About, I'm not asking him to be what he was at Ohio. I'm just asking him to be a guy who can make an open jump shot. Yeah. I get where you're coming from. I just think it's especially guys that only get one year. The adjustment, the period. adjustment is too big. Like, remember when JUCO was the thing? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. How many of those guys had terrible first years? Right, and then we're fine. Yeah, and then we're fine their senior year. And that's a huge jump up in, in yeah. level well, of adjustment. And back, yes, twenty years ago it wasn't. No, because right, there because was a lot of talent in JUCO. Yeah, because there was a lot of guys who didn't ever go to play Division One basketball right. should have. Yeah, but I mean, I just think in a, in a one year small sample size, like let, let's take a look at UC. Javen Cumberland has been hot and cold. Especially on the road. Yeah. Um, but Chris he McNeil. has at times made open shots, which yes. is all you're asking him to do. He has at times missed a lot yeah, of open right, shots. No, you're right. Chris McNeil has moved to a backup 15, 10, 15 minute a game point guard because he's, I think, 16% from three on the year. And Jay Sarola has been a serviceable reserve five. Like, if that's what you're here, he, I guess here's the, the gist of it for me. If that's what you're looking for in grad transfers, then you can get it. Then you can get it. All right. But Xavier's looking for fifth and sixth guys. No, you're right. I mean, and, that, and that's and a big I, part of it. I think that's a huge gamble. Now, now if those but, if but fifth I thought, and sixth guys. But, but I thought you had four parts in place, though, in my opinion. Okay. But if those fifth and sixth guys are coming from Alabama so, or Georgia or Minnesota or whatever, and I, then. I think you're in a much better place to count on those guys as being your fifth and sixth guys, not guys 
that are coming from Western Michigan. And I would say maybe I'm asking too much of Jason Carter, too, when if you even look at his line from Saturday, it was 8.7 rebounds in 38 minutes. So you obviously trusted him to play 30 minutes. Right, that's my point. I mean, that's not awful, right? Right. He had the type of game I would expect somebody coming from the MAC to have in a Big East game against Creighton. The problem is, though, one of your seniors gets benched because he doesn't play defense the way the coach wants, and the other right. senior gets benched because he's doing absolutely nothing. And that's that. That suddenly now Jason Carter becomes the third guy. Maybe that's where it's at. Maybe he's 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 nowhere near ready for that. As the fifth guy, perfect, perfect fifth guy. Maybe that's where maybe both of us are reading into that the yeah. wrong way. Of when, when he has to be the third guy, he can't be the third guy. Was he can be the fifth guy? Yeah, give me eight. Fourth guy, yeah. Tell you what, you give me eight and seven from your fifth guy on your team. Those were the season averages. I'm going. I'll take that for my fifth guy. But when he technically has to be the third guy, what's Bryce Moore average? It's a big. Oh, it it can't be uh, four points a game, three point four a game. Yeah, you're relying on those two guys to be important pieces, right? Well, and off their bench, not good enough. Forty six minutes between Fremantle, Moore, and Tandy, they got five points in forty six minutes. You're not going to beat Creighton like that. No, I I agree. Home, so 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 now, and I'm asking probably a question that we should both ask of Rick, but Rick's not with us, and I'll talk to Rick about this on Wednesday. I mean, if you're a Xavier fan, how concerned are you that this team misses the tournament altogether? I think it's a, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, I think it's an uphill climb at this stage of the game. I don't know that it's an uphill climb, but it's at least something you that's on the on the radar. Here's the next five games. You ready? At Marquette, Oof. Georgetown at home, winnable, winnable, right? At Creighton, Oof. Marquette at home, Oof. winnable, but yeah, at Seton Hall. You could dig yourself a ginormous hole by that time, bro. I mean. Two and three is going to take some work. It's going to take some work. Yes. Yeah. That's what it, uh, uh, since we're talking about Xavier, I'll mention McCronin because I know Xavier fans love when I do that. But when he, when he, when he talked about the old big East, when UC was in the old big East, one of his comments was you, you, he said this all the time. You're one week away from a three game losing streak. No, that's right. Now, you also can argue the flip side of you, you got a chance, chance to get some to get scouts. Wins. But yeah, his right, point in, right. that, in that conversation was you can have an off week or you can have a week where things aren't going right. Or lose 50-50 games just because it's yeah. just the, the reality of the way the ball bounces on occasion. Yeah. So uh, they're in a tough spot right now. I mean, one and three in the league, five tough games coming up. Let's say they do go two and three. Three and six. Yeah, I mean you're you're still fighting uphill, and you still have Nova coming to your place. Three and six with nine to go. You still have to go to Butler. I mean, you still have Butler coming to your. I mean, you look up. You still have to go to. I mean, I just don't know where they get a road win either. I don't. I, I, I don't. Now I said the same thing about UC when Rick and I picked on Wednesday. I said I, I picked against UC because until they proved to me they can go on the road and win a well, game, yeah. I don't believe hey, it. So see better than I hear, Marvin. Right. And they did no, and they. To their credit, they won. So maybe but Xavier it, changes this all around by going to Marquette and winning a game. But at least, I don't see it. At least with UC, you saw things trending towards being corrected. In the Tulsa game, maybe. But even they played pretty well against Tulane until the final But didn't get stopped. I mean, you still got to get right, stopped. Right, but I'm saying yeah. you saw 32 minutes of things moving. Like, they weren't glaring questions. Yeah, The Iowa game I took a lot of positive out of. The UConn game you took a lot of positive out of. Oh, well, yeah, because you won it. And now in retrospect, I just don't know if they're very good. But, yeah, no. But the UConn that took ranked Wichita State they did. To double I, overtime today? At home. At home. And that's Without one of their best no, players who at, blew his ACL? But at home. At home's the, the – the, that's, the, that's, that's true. The, that's the differentiator hey, to me. Look, at least Xavier fans, rest easy knowing you got a couple easy wins next year when UConn joins the league. <laughs> 
I don't know if Danny Hurley recruits the way you hope Danny Hurley recruits. I don't know about that. I, I'm a Danny Hurley guy. I know you, you are. Know that. I do know that. We should call him. Get him on the phone. I'd, I'd like that. If they won, I'd call him and get him to talk Bengals. And, and <laughs> Does he know his Bengals stuff? Oh, he's the biggest Bengals fan on the planet. That's insane to me. Why, why would you be? So I guess it had something to do with the freezer bowl okay. and the helmets when he was a kid growing up. And uh, as you can tell by watching him, he's a bit of a contrarian. No question. So he, he like, wanted to like a team that his buddies didn't like. And back in 1982, the Bengals were kind of hot. So a, a great story, Danny Hurley story. Uh, so they're at the, the conference tournament. Or no, they're at the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. And Dan Horde is walking through the lobby of the Final Four going to, to conduct, like, to host an interview. And Danny Hurley sees him and legit fanboys. like Because he listens to Bengals games. Skinny, I'm not kidding when I say die hard. He pins down Dan Horde for, like, 25 minutes asking him about the second-string guard. Who's going to be the, you know, what happens if Huber goes down as the punter? That's insane. He held him up for 20, 25 minutes, and finally Dan Horde had to be like, I got to go. Danny, I'm 15 minutes late from an interview that I was supposed to do. Um, I've had him, I've handed him, uh, we were in an AAU event, and it turns out his, he listens to Mo and Lance regularly to get his Bengals fix. Like, while he's at home, he'll pull up the streaming and he'll listen That's to him. That's insane to me. So I called, because Mo's, you know, Mo likes to have fun with it. Mo's kind of picked at him a couple times. And Danny's listened to it. So I called Mo, and I was like, hey, I got somebody who wants to talk to you. It's my friend Danny. And handed Danny the phone. That's pretty good. And and Danny started talking, and Mo, I, he handed me back, and he was like, that was one of the most surreal things that's ever happened in I would have, life. I would have never guessed that in a million we, years. We were going to do We were going to set up a, a, a running joke segment uh, on the show for Mo. And we were going to have, during football season, we were going to have him call in as Danny from stores and just talk Bengals. And then, you know, at the end of the segment, be like, hey, you're in stores. What do you think about the Huskies this yeah, year? Exactly. <laughs> Click. <laughs> but he is a diehard, that's, diehard Bengals fan. That's pretty good. He bitched to me about... Andy Dalton, every time I saw him for a decade. It's, it's funny to me that a coach, because Chris Mack's a big Bengals fan too, it's, it's funny to me that a coach would bitch about that kind of stuff, knowing that people are always bitching about what they're doing, right? right Does right, that not right, crack right. you up? It's hilarious. I, I literally, the day after they took a Sample in the draft. Which was a reach. I was at an AAU event at 8 o'clock in the morning, standing between Chris Mack and Danny Hurley, Listening to them complain about it, livid that they took a blocking tight end with their second round draft pick, and it was one of those moments where you just. You, so why did you take the six five wing that can't play either? You just Danny? look at yourself and you go, "How did I get here?" Right. Where right. I've got the head coach from Louisville on one side, the head coach from Connecticut on the other arguing side, arguing about the Bengals, arguing about the Bengals second round draft pick. <laughs> it's like, what world are we in? Why did you take the undersized wing? Right. Why did you take the point guard who can't shoot? <laughs> All those kind of things. Uh, let's move to Kentucky. Take... And they played no, very no, well. I late. won't do it. I was, I was... What are you going to do? No, I won't do okay. it. Okay. Let's move to Kentucky. They're playing very well right now. Uh, 3-0 and in the league. And I know it, it hasn't been tough opponents. I mean, Alabama's not going to be a tournament team. Georgia's not going to be a tournament team. Um, that's a good call that you didn't do it. Missouri's not going to be a tournament team. But... This team feels like it is turning a corner. The Georgia yeah. game down at the half, and they've got a good enough player that can – and he popped off a little bit at halftime, and that wasn't the wisest thing. But you're starting to get now 
real consistency from not only Nick Richards, but Emmanuel Quickly's playing really well. Ashton Hagen's almost had a triple-double. Um, Nick Richards is like one of the top five big men in the country. I mean, he's played great of late, but it's it's not just him, though. Like I said, yeah, quickly, quickly off the bench, is, I think in the three SEC games, he's averaging about 17 a game. Shooting the heck and, out And of Hagen's, it. when you need a big play, makes a big play. And I mean, like I said, he's a, I think he was a rebound and assist away from a, uh, from a triple-double. Yeah. I think he went for whatever, 10, 12, and 9, and 9. Um and and I think the Louisville win was a huge confidence boost, and then to roll it into three games that you were winnable now gets you a bigger confidence boost. The league's not very good. Not. Um, there's only two ranked teams in it. Three teams are undefeated, the two ranked teams, and then I think LSU is still undefeated, Auburn being yeah. the, the other one. Um, so you're not going to fade. I mean, like even this week, you go at South Carolina and then uh, and Saturday at Arkansas. Red and at Ar- and, and Arkansas is is going to be a tough test there. Yeah, but it's still you don't feel like you're going into a buzzsaw. South Carolina's awful. There's no question. He, he gets fired this year. He's right? got to. I mean, Final Four aside, and, and I love Frank. That's the only time he's made the tournament. Right. I love Frank to death, but it's just that's not working out. This is year eight, year lost, seven. I always get my confusing on who they lost. They lost either Stetson or Wofford or one of the bad. I think it's Stetson. Yeah. I think they lost to a Cologne. Yeah, they're eight and seven. In, on the season, they're not going to win a lot of games in the league either. No, so. I, though Kentucky will roll in that one. All right, so now that you look at Kentucky, and, and I was one that, I mean, for a while I questioned whether or not they'd do enough to get enough of a seed, but now is the way the season's played along and the way this league is. They can play themselves up the, up the board Up the board quick. very quickly. And um, I don't think they could be a one, but I think they could no, certainly but put themselves in a, I mean, a two, a three. I mean, the two scalps, and I know Michigan State lost today, but that, everybody's going to lay an egg at some point. Today was a huge egg at Purdue. It was a brutal egg. But I, think, I still think they're the best team in the Big Ten probably, and, and I think it'll play its way out that way. Um, you wind up with two pretty good non-league scalps. Neither of them at home, right? Um, no, but uh, Louisville was at home. The other one, the, the other right, was, the other right. one was neutral. Yeah. But yeah, so one neutral, one one at home. You're you're looking at a situation where the top is not. I mean, we're starting to see. I think four teams get a little bit of distance from the field. Baylor being one of them. Baylor's really didn't good. See that no, coming? I didn't see it coming either. Gonzaga. And, and Gonzaga's Gonzaga, not going to – the problem is they're Gonzaga. not – they're, yeah, they're the Zags, not the Zogs. Right. Um, but they're not going to be testing their league either. So I mean, No, they're, we they're, talked about but, this last right, week. They're going to be a one seed by default, basically, the way things have played out. And, and they get enough non-league too, obviously. And then obviously. Duke. Yes. And then who's the fourth one I'm well, thinking I mean, of? Auburn's going to probably be ranked fourth in the country this week because Kansas lost, right? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of Kansas. Somebody else I was thinking of. Uh, there's really the Butler? I mean, Butler, yeah. Really? Okay. All right. And I still have my doubts about how great they are. And they're going to lose some games But in I that think league. they're positioning them. If they can, yes. if they can take care oh, of business. Oh, no question. The, the league, no doubt. Yeah, no no doubt. They're they're at, at the moment positioning themselves, you know, in that range. I mean, when you look at some of the teams, I just called it up. When you look at some of the teams in the top ten, I mean, San Diego State's there by default because they haven't lost. Right. Um, you know, is is Oregon scare you? I mean, I, I I like Oregon. Probably at Oregon, yeah. Yeah, but we're talking about when we get the NCAA tournament. Does Florida State scare you? No, I think they're good. Um, you know, Ohio State's was was you know highly ranked, and now they they can't win a game, and they're struggling. So I mean, did you know Leonard Hamilton's like seventy five years old? You know, he was on the Kentucky staff that won it in nineteen seventy eight. He was on that staff. Did you know that? <laughs> no, no, I didn't he was know a, that. He was a huge recruiter for them. He was obviously young, but yeah, he was on the 1978 staff at Kentucky when they won the national championship. He was like the number two assistant, and he was probably like what 26 or 27, probably. I mean, you're not exactly like a, maybe even older. Yeah, he, a little bit older. He, he, 30s. Straight, he don't look it. He looks 
He still looks oh, pretty good. Whatever skincare product no doubt. that man uses. No, but it's funny. I mean, Leonard Hamilton was on the 1978 Kentucky National Championship staff. I'm all over the place tonight. How about that, though? That's un- that's <laughs> It really is. And he still is recruiting. I mean, he, to his credit, he's done some really good things at Florida State, obviously. That is like stat of the day. Fact of the day, Leonard Hamilton was on the 1978. And it Kentucky wasn't as a graduate assistant, folks. It was as a, as a as a real live assistant for sure. That's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. They, they've got a chance to be the force in the SEC because I'm not I'm not fully sold on Auburn. Yet. I'm not either, but I, I mean, they, 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 they keep winning. Yeah, they're right? good. I'm not fully sold on them as a, a, a power, though. This and right year. now, LSU is the only other team. In the, I mean, those are the two teams that are ranked in the league are Kentucky and, and Auburn. And I yeah. keep waiting for Florida to go through a great stretch. Hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. I mean, so who else is there, right? Arkansas has done some really good things. And Musselman's, Musselman's a really, yeah, he's he's really, a really good, good coach. Job. Yeah, he's a really good coach. And I think they'll end up probably being an NCAA tournament team but, to their credit. It, but looking at this SEC right now, it is Kentucky and Auburn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, that's pretty clear. I, 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 you don't want to go to Florida. I mean, it's still going to be a very tough place to, yeah. to win. But yeah, I, th- those are the two teams. Let's go to NKU for a second. Um, boy, it felt like not too long ago we were wondering is this team going to going to find itself, and it, it's had a tough tough time because they had to go on the road back to back weeks, right? It, it's almost like when you have a coaching change, it takes some time. Even when you even when you have talent, it might take a little time to get things to to completely come together. Well. It looked like Thursday night they were, or whatever night that was, Friday, that was Thursday night, whatever, Friday night, I'm sorry, yeah. Friday night, um, at UIC, not playing great, and suddenly you look up and they go on. I'd have to see if any other team in the country in recent vintage has gone on a 30 nothing run. Even when you're playing a bye game against some crap team, right? Like, like they throw in a bucket at some point, right? Right. The, NKU went on a 30 to nothing run in a game where it wasn't like 101 to 75. That's something you see Cuffcath do to Beachwood. No, they didn't do that to us. We beat them. We beat them twice last year. Now, the, I think the year that C.J. Frederick was a senior, they might have. They might have done that. The year C.J. Frederick was a senior, they put thirty yeah. o runs. Yeah, on. Yeah, that's a good call. A whole lot of people. Yeah, and I've seen Moeller do. I've seen Moeller do. Moeller a thirty o run would just be the game. Actually, like, you know what? that's that's they, they might have gone on a thirty o run this year. But you, I mean, you don't that's sp- that's the whole game for Moeller though, because they only score thirty six. You don't see this in college basketball, and no. especially inside a conference, no matter who was, the best team is or the worst team is. I was at my desk doing some work, and the game was on on the TV, kind of off to the side and it was like the strangest thing because you kept looking over and NKU score was quickly going up and UIC score did not move they were NKU NKU was down 33 to 25 went on the 30 to nothing run in the span of about 11 minutes yeah 30 was, points in 11 minutes is a lot. It was bang. It was Zero fast. points in 11 minutes is almost impossible for yeah. a college basketball team to go through. In that time frame, yeah. UIC committed eight turnovers. I've been a UC fan for 30 years. I and and missed that hard. 13 shots. So eight turnovers, 13 shots in that, in that span. That's, that's, in, that's, that's not great. That's incredible to me. And then, not Ty- great. And then Tyler Sharp goes off for 33, and we've seen him have those, those big games of scoring. And now you look up, and NKU's a game out of first place. Um, they're, they're obviously, you know, they've gotten a chunk of their road when, when's, scheduled when's past the, them. When's the... The first Wright State yeah. comes up uh, a week from Friday night, the 24th at Wright State. And then Wright State, I believe, comes here. The very final regular season game comes to, uh, to BB&T Arena on are February you, are you 28th. A company old boy up to... I want to see how he handles that because he has to actually be professional when he's up there. I know. Can he do it? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of interested to see that. Um, especially how many, how many subtle jabs does he work in? 
Well, he will leading up to that. I can guarantee you. No, but I mean in the broadcast. Oh yeah, I'd have to listen for that. I that that, that might be a must listen game for me on that on that Friday night. The, it, the NRA line is still maybe the best incredible. thing ever said on it's this in, podcast. It's incredible. And NKU should be six and two by the time they go up. They're six and two in the league. They play Youngstown, Cleveland State. I think I fell on the floor laughing when He's, he said that. He had nasty things to say about Fairborn, Ohio, too. I mean, right, Pat, right, right, Pat is there. I mean, it's it's a it's kind of a key cog in our country, to be honest with you. I think it kind of is. Rick's not Rick's Rick's big anti-military guy. Apparently, he is. Apparently, he Rick is. doesn't support the troops. because no. the troops are in the wrong. They're located in the wrong place. Exactly. I'm look. I'm looking forward to uh, to hear what he's got to say leading up to that game. All right, Rick will be back with us uh, next week. But before we get to to that, let's let's get your final thought because it sounds like you got a doozy for me. I got a doozy. So I've heard this mentioned before. They have to change the signal for a charge. What do you mean? In what regard? Like, like the punch? The, the, yeah. I love the punch. Because, well, that so do officials. I know. That's why they. That's why they screw up the charge block call Ooh. a thousand. You they. You see those guys? Look, I've umpired baseball. I used to practice when I was you're, little. You're, you're you strike out. out. Yeah, and you want to use yeah. it. Yeah, you want to use you it. You want to use it. No doubt. Everybody's got their charge call, and all they want to do is run down the floor, bang, with the punch. Bang. I wish I'd have more officials in high school that would do that for me because I argue more block charge calls than anybody. Well, in college, they get the charge. Like, well, today in TV. Wichita State, UConn, end of the game, UConn driving to the rim, and, and there's a, a guy from, from Wichita State that you can see physically sliding under and leaning the entire right side of his body. Now, you can move. You can technically move. You can't do what you're saying, though. Yes. You're, the you, player you was in the air. Yeah, you can't do that. You're right. He's sliding to the right. His feet are almost set, but his top of his body is sliding to get in, in position underneath the guy. Do we have the blarge? Do we have the potential blarge? Bang, no. Okay. They banged it. Okay. Bang, charge. It's awful. So they what, have to change. So what should? How do you? How, how should you signal? Maybe they that? should put their hand on their head and do a little pirouette like a ballerina. I don't anything to stop the, the crap that goes on. And there's no doubt when that happens, when you see the guy, he, when he takes the the, not, the not, crow hop, the crow hop. And if it's a home crowd, they go crazy, yeah. right? Because they love. I mean, yeah. as a coaching staff, you go crazy because you love that, right? It's the worst. Man, I don't know. I kind of like it though. But that's why there's so many bad block charge calls. Because they just get so excited in their little world to get the little crow hop. Well, occasionally you get the guy that likes the crow hop where he wants to call the block, where, he, where he's dancing across the floor to show that it was a block. I've seen that, that, I've seen that guy too, right? But that guy is like one-tenth of charge guy. Every official is charge guy. I wish every official was charge guy. I really do. TV Teddy will run... Halfway down the well, floor. He doesn't run quite as quick as he used to. No, but he'd run, a, you know, 30, 40% down the floor. Bang! All right. It's the worst. So, so, so I, I need you to give me an official way they should they should signify this. I haven't really thought of, of replacements yet. I just know that this, bang, it needs to go. <laughs> it's, got, it's got you all worked up into a, into a frenzy and a cough. I mean... Is there anything else in basketball like that? Um, the and one signal sometimes for the for the made basket. You can occasionally yeah, get a guy get that, the hop. Yeah, that can, but usually the ones I like are the kind of the subtle of you hear the whistle, you see the foul, and you get just the kind of like quick drop. Yeah, yeah the quick bing. Yeah, I like that. I like I do like that. But no, you're I, you are right. But I kind of like it. I, I I want that animation from an official in that regard. 
But at might, the expense of getting the call right? Yeah, I wish more call charges were called. I really do. I see, I'm a big charge guy. You're a huge charge guy, and you think things are charges that are not charges. A lot of things are charges. I had one the other night where the guy, I, I, the guy told me that my kid was still moving, and I said, no. I said, if you told me he was under the rim, I'd have bought it. He goes, well, then he was under the rim. I said, that's not what you told me at first. You told me that he was still moving. He was not still moving. I said, you told me under the rim. And all of a sudden, I got that. That's enough. I said, yeah, because you know I'm Cause right. Because I won. Yeah. Because I, I got you on that. Yeah, one. exactly. But oh, well. I, I don't know, man. It just it changes games because they just want to get their little dance in. And the thing is that, I mean, based on where that line is, it, it is harder to take one because you have to make sure you're above the line. Yeah. And the line itself is actually far enough out from under the rim that yeah. it's, you still got to be about midway in the lane, right? To take yeah. one on the side of it, whatever. I mean, it's, it's still hard to do that. But I mean, and I and I don't like the charge rule to be a lot of the stuff on the charge rule to begin with. I don't think a, a, somebody that's not guarding the ball should be able to slide in underneath the ball handler and take a charge. Good weak side defense, in my opinion, my friend. I wish everybody I wish everybody was seven foot two like the Seton Hall guys and they could block shots at the rim, but not everybody is. Occasionally, the guy's six one, and you got to take in college at high the highest level of college basketball. You Tyler, should not be able to undercut somebody. Tyler Sharp is not not going to block a shot. Tyler Sharp. Well, Sharp then you have somebody on the team behind Tyler Sharp that is able to block the shot. Okay, maybe. Is Javen Cumberland going to block a shot, or does he need to take a charge? He's had a block or two, I think. This okay, year. all right. Do you know who takes the most charges for UC? Probably Jaron. Jaron. Yeah, because he's a big. He likes it. He's a big, strong guy. See, I admire him for that. Just would like to admire him for more than that on occasion. <laughs> Chad, I enjoy it as always. Get rid of bang, the bang, the charge sign and one. Just a quick and I one. I like the quick and one. All right, maybe we'll do that with the charges. Just a quick one. Anything more than that, you get called up. For, you maybe get written up for histrionics. You get like a like you know like the travel sign. You don't see in too much. No, there used to be an official here in Ohio though that loved maybe, maybe, him. Like maybe this is charged. Like a like a you're double fist sign, bump. signifying a fist on top of a fist. Yeah. All right, I'll give you that one. Or okay. this. How about the, hit the fist together? No, I just like I like the momentum of the wind Charge. up, the wind up, and the punch when the crowd's yeah, about to that's, explode. That's the whole damn point, Skinny. Yeah. That's the whole damn point. It's a production. It's not. It's not a foul call. How about come to a big jump stop and shoot a six footer? Let you do that. Even then, they call charges on uh, you. That could be too. All right, Chad. I appreciate it as always. Rick Broy will be back with us next week. For Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. Skinny Podcast, the college basketball. Game.